Hey guys, when you search for Bible-related stuff, virtually all the results are from Christian pastors and apologists. Yeah, to find real biblical criticism, you need to dig down. Most people never even learn about all the scholarship out there, which debunks a lot of the evangelical claims. Yeah, there's an entire well-funded industry of biased Christian content out there. Our show tries to offer a counter-argument to them, but we rely on our listeners to keep the show going week after week. If you'd like to support the show, please check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Skeptics Bible Project. Thank you to all those supporting us. We hope you enjoy the show. I'm John. And I'm Ben. And this is the Skeptics Bible Project. We read the Bible so you don't have to. I don't care too much for preachers. I don't like to go to church. But I'd hate to meet St. Peter when my body leaves this earth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is the Skeptics Bible Project. Happy to be here with you again today. So last time we began our discussion about the Joe Rogan, Adam Curry interview, and we're going to continue on with that today. Hope you guys enjoy it. Again, I'm new to this, but there's 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 so many amazing things about the books in the Bible. There's code, um, you know, certain yeah. certain scripture has exactly this amount of letters, but none no uh, consonants or uh, vowels are duplicated. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy mm. stuff that just seems like it's impossible to phony that up. Um, okay, he his conspiracy colors um, come out here. He starts talking about like Bible codes and counting the number of consonants and stuff. And there actually is some real numerology that um, Bible scholars and Hebrew scholars especially have noted. Um, but you, but it's all um, kind of literary formulations that are, are well known, um, you know, in a, really in a poetic sense, in the same way that a poem, they may be written in a certain pattern where you have um, five syllables, then two syllables, then five syllables, then, and that pattern is consistent whatever the genre is. And we do see things like that in the Bible. There are certain numbers that um, seem important numbers that come up a lot. But to extrapolate that into this um, crazy numerolo- uh, numerological conspiracy theory that many people do when they try to like find a secret code in the Bible, that's to me what he's hinting at here, and I think that's just batshit crazy. Yeah, it's again, it's like if you uh, take the conspiracy theorist route to get to Christianity, then you're going to take all this other baggage along with you. Um, I don't know enough about the Bible code to give a real proper critique of it, um, except to say the same thing that John said. I mean, there's form criticism that literally looks at the way that the texts imitate other texts in the Hebrew Bible. Um, I think we even looked at it a little bit in when we talked about the birth narratives, um, like when there's an appearance of an angelic being, there's certain things that people do in every instance or in many different instances in the scripture, and that's because they're following that certain form a lot of times. So, you know, they fall on the ground, they, um, you know, make some sort of... Uh, the angel makes a proclamation. They say that proclamation is impossible. The angel says, no, it's possible. Um, so there's certain forms that seem to match up. Like John said, there's certain numerology in Hebrew that is um, that just the editors and the authors were probably like, 
playing games with numbers as they were writing. It doesn't prove anything divine about the text. Um, and I think that anyone that tells you that is not, it, it just it doesn't know what they're talking about. And what people try to do with um, these secret Bible codes is to oftentimes predict the future or uh, find some kind of secret teaching that no one ever knew about. And um, this is kind of Gnostic in a way. I mean, the, the Gnostics believed that there were secret teachings that were, that God was only enlightening certain people. Um, and, you know, so we've talked about Harold Camping on the show before, who basically like looked at numerology in the Bible and determined like, like to the month of when Jesus would be returning. And of course he was wrong and then he had to repredict it. Um, so people do all kinds of crazy things. And I'll just say, you can do this with any piece of literature. I mean, you can try to find patterns and uh, numer- uh, numerological things in any work of literature and then uh, come to your own crazy uh, conclusion. But again, historians and scholars don't take any of this stuff seriously. Um, but it seems like Adam Curry is a self-identified conspiracy theorist, seems to be really attracted to that way of looking at the Bible. Why, but the, a person being the actual son of God, I would need a lot of evidence to right. believe well, that. Evidence demands a verdict would be a great book yeah. to read. But just as I know that JFK was assassinated, and I really believe the CIA was involved um, because it's been written. I've, I've just mm-hmm. read documents and documents. So, well, it seems that Adam Curry really wants wants more to talk about conspiracy theories because he keeps coming back to them, and uh, he want, like here he's talking about the CIA and JFK. Um, but um, and then when when Joe Rogan rightfully is saying, hey, like okay, but like. What's the actual evidence that Jesus is the Son of God? And he's right. You would need, you would need a lot of evidence to support that. Not just a little bit of evidence. An extraordinary claim demands extraordinary evidence, and that's basically what Joe Rogan is saying. And his answer was just like, "Well, I'd read this book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict," and um, you know, like Ben and I definitely are going to address that book in detail at some point on this show. We'll probably do a series on it because so many people are so influenced by it, but. Um, that's not an answer. And, um, and like, okay, well, what evidence from that book really persuaded you? Cause that, that was like the point that I, at this point in the interview, this is the point that I'm like, okay, good. Like, I want to hear his answer here that like, and I just felt like he, get, he said, read this book. And then he started talking about JFK. Yeah. I mean, thus far we've gotten, um, as, in as much as you can believe that the CIA killed JFK, that Building 7 fell because of some nefarious purpose and that we're all living in a simulation um, created by some alien race. Um, As long as you can believe those things, then you should also believe in Christianity because there's even more evidence. Um, Or he's as sure of uh, Christianity as those things. Yeah, the claim is an extraordinary claim. I mean, first the first thing to break down is probably... um, the fact that we don't even necessarily have Jesus claiming to be the Son of God in every gospel we have. That's uh, more of a later, um, or at least God eternal, God's Son equal to God eternal um, from all eternity. And there's some um, question about, you know, well, we're all the children of God. Um, yeah. You know, so, in so that I mean, respect. he could be referred to as God's son, but it doesn't have the same theologically loaded meaning that we have today, where we understand the meaning from John, 
the Gospel of John, where it means he's equal to God, part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. Only um, begotten has, Son, etc. Has, has been God from beginning. In Mark, it's, it's much more ambiguous. We talked about it in another episode. During the baptism, um, it seems like God is adopting um, Jesus, or it could be interpreted as he's begetting him um, at his baptism. And um, and so that led to an adoptionist heresy. the The idea that Jesus was the Son of God, um, in the sense that Adam Curry is talking about it, it's not a, it's not clearly stated in even all of the Gospels. Um, but I think Ben, that this is kind of like echoes the frustration I think of a lot of skeptics who are saying, "Okay, you know, you're telling me this is super important for my life to believe this." And then I'm asking you, okay, what's the evidence that it's true? And I think this is this mimics the type of answers I used to get in church. Well, read this book. Here's a book. Go read it. And yeah. um, and and then I read the book, and it's not really clear, or the answers aren't that good. And it's like the answers are never good. And um, I think Christians should do a better job. I mean, you you do have historically um, people like R.C. Sproul, people like going back C.S. Lewis, who I really um, did make an effort to answer these very difficult questions, whether they did successfully or not. That's that's an open question, but at least they were really trying. And I think the frustration for a lot of skeptics is how many Christians just don't even attempt to give an answer at all, and it it just feeds into everything that a lot of people believe about them that it's an anti anti intellectual endeavor. Yeah, I mean, you. This is like uh, one of the pitfalls of of uh, discourse in our time too, where every nobody really wants to actually engage. So it's just like posting articles back and forth, um, where people are just talking past each other. It's like, oh, well, you don't believe me? Read this article. Well, the whole idea is to be able to actually understand the issue and be able to articulate the issue in a way that makes someone else understand. Um, that's and reading a book it. and reading an article is fine. I'm not. I'm not putting that yeah, down. Yeah, no. But I mean, like, you should be able to have the discussion if you read, if you've read the book and it's so convincing, then you should be able to have that discussion with the person without just right. telling them go do a research project on your own. Right. I mean, what convinced you in that book that makes you recommend it to me? I mean, this should be the conversation that you're able to have. Yeah. And I think that you're right. It's extremely. Like everybody recommends that book, but what's the evidence in that book? Well, I'll tell you the evidence that's in the Bible. The evidence in the Bible is a guy who had an experience where he fell off his horse on the road and claims that he saw a resurrected uh, being um, that he used to persecute. And um, three women who went to the tomb um, saw uh, a being, a man in the tomb, and um, left and didn't tell anyone. So you have a tradition that ends with three women not telling anyone. We don't even know how that tradition spread past that, if that's well, true. Well, e- even, even that is not is all hearsay. I yeah, mean, even but that I mean, story that's, is... that, that's what the Bible presents as right. the actual... Yes. Um, you know, I mean, Paul says... Um, Paul says, oh, well, you know, Jesus appeared to all these other witnesses that he lists, like some of them, and, you know, up to a hundred and whatever it is. Um, But, like, but all of these claims are not really historically verifiable. So the the evidence that—the evidence is very—the evidence that Jesus was a person— 
is certainly sufficient that we should recognize that he existed as a historical figure, unless someone can make a really convincing argument otherwise. Um, but the the evidence for his resurrection, for example, is not really historically existent. Yeah, and when we get into that book, or um, or Josh, McDow- Josh McDowell's book, or Lee Strobel's book, um, we're going to talk all about that stuff. Because, yeah, there's a big difference between arguing that there was a historical historical figure named Jesus um, that these books are based on and saying all of these miraculous claims are true and that he was God incarnate on earth. I mean, that's a much bigger question and it requires, it demands uh, a lot more evidence. Uh, but you know, I, I don't think we should delve too deep into that because we are going to talk about it. And they and they on this interview don't delve into it. Yeah, and it's just an assumption too that the evidence. I mean, John alluded to this before. If he didn't say it explicitly, but it's like an assumption that the evidence presented in the Gospels is a historical account, and just an understanding of the Gospels, like we talked about before. We know that Mark and Luke, to a certain extent, are exaggerations of Mark. And you we know Mark, that Mark yeah. is the earliest gospel, and the other ones are much are not much later, but later. And we know that John comes from a totally different tradition that contradicts the other go- the synoptic gospels in many, many different ways. So to say th- both those traditions are true creates a lot of other problems. So even the historical account, quote unquote, historical accounts that Josh McDowell would say are good, are, we know are filled with problems. Yeah, and. Um... And Adam Curry is a as a conspiracy theorist who says he like he reads everything and he reads and reads and reads. Well, he's not obviously not reading like the scholarship like on New Testament studies because he doesn't seem very familiar at all. Like if what he's going to is evidence is Josh McDowell and evidence that demands a verdict, I mean he could go to Raymond Brown. Um, he could. There's a lot of like tons of material out there that he should be going to if he's going to go on the like like I said the largest podcast in the world and talk about Christianity and he comes armed with absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's we we talked about the the um, relationship between conspiratorial thinking and um, Christianity before, and I think that um, again this just shows. Like the conspiratorial thinking doesn't have to tie all the boxes. Does it doesn't have to tie all the evidence together because the larger conspiracy is what ties it all together. And I think it's the same thing. Like he doesn't need a lot of evidence. He needs a few things that are confirming what he's looking for, and then right. he can tie the rest of the conspiracy together. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to frame it. All right, all let's right. move on to the next one. When you look into the Bible and everything that's been written about the Bible, that's a hundred million times more has been written about that, and it's survived all these years. So I'm right, just, but I'm if just someone, someone reads, writes about The Shining, yeah. and a bunch of people review the writing of The Shining and mm-hmm. write about The Shining, it doesn't mean that The Shining actually happened. You know, and just because so many people are writing about this particular religion doesn't mean that there was a person. But they haven't written about it. Doesn't mean sh- they weren't. I'm not saying there mm-hmm. were. I'm not saying I know. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying it doesn't mean that that was that no. man was the son of I'm God. I'm just telling you, my process is when I investigate things, and it, to me it was a conspiracy theory. But like I'm just going to start reading, and it, I read for three weeks until I gave up and said I can keep reading, but 
all the evidence just is thrown at me over and over and over again. If I'm going to believe certain things about JFK or 9-11 or uh, whatever, which I've read as much as I can, but there's not that much. It's just, it, it, to my own, my own conscience, I have to, if I'm going to believe that after reading, you know, 50 years of documentation versus that, thousands of years of documentation but it's thousands of years of documentation of a story see the the, the problem is anybody it's multiple stories like people have said multiple people have said today mm -hmm. that they are the son of god i just want to give joe rogan credit i mean i bash joe rogan a lot but um here i actually i that he's basically saying exactly what i was going to say like the fact that there's been a lot of r stuff written about christianity and even the fact that like so many people throughout history have believed it is not evidence of the truth of it at all and it shouldn't be put forward as evidence and i hear it put forward as evidence all the time and and i'm going to say like if if you're going to go by that then you would have to say wow you really have to give a lot of credence to islam as well and a lot of credence to Hinduism and um, any religion that's that's been here for this long and converted a lot of people. And wait, if Christianity's in decline and less people are uh, believing it, does that mean that we should believe it less? I mean, it's all ridiculous. And then um, I really felt like Adam Curry kind of like fell apart at that point and basically said, well, if I'm going to believe a conspiracy theory on, on this amount of writing, then I should, I have to believe Christianity because there's been a lot more writing on it. I mean, the logic is just like completely flawed. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's a misunderstanding in a couple different ways. I mean, first of all, Christianity became like a, the, the dominant, um, force in Western thought. So, of course, there's going to be a lot written on it. <laughs> like, it's right. the ideology that we live in is influenced by Christianity, for better or for worse. And um, the, the other thing that I think he misunderstands is the way that the ancient texts were preserved. They were preserved by Christians. Like, the reason, for example, that we have Jewish apocalyptic writings from, um, like, the late... Uh, second century uh, of the of the before the common era is because there were Christian groups that affirmed those texts as scripture and so preserved them and so some of those writings have been preserved. Um, a lot of the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible um, has been preserved because Christians have preserved it throughout time because they were copying the texts that they wanted to copy, and they were the ones that had the productive means to copy texts. So those texts, of course, are going to survive in larger numbers. They were the texts that were being produced. They were the texts that were being copied. Um, and not to mention that... anything about the religion being true, that there's a lot of texts about it. Yeah, and not to mention that Rome adopted Christianity as its official religion, which is why it became mainstream, and then that's that's when like the writing really exploded. Um, but again, I, what I think is fascinating here is like by his logic, um, he really should not be a conspiracy theorist because there's a lot more writing about 9-11 that has nothing to do with the conspiracy theory. Um, like if you're simply going by quantity, which seems to be what his argument is, like if you were also like as a conspiracy theorist, like he should be like a Gnostic or something. He should be, or he should have some like weird heretical viewpoints where there's, not as much written about it or stuff that was like covered up by the establishment, like the very definition of a conspiracy. Um, but he doesn't go down that road. He seems to be just accepting like 
um, Orthodox Christianity in a very non-conspiratorial way, ironically. Yeah, who is the one that's um, covering all this up? If you can buy Josh McDowell's book in Barnes & Noble probably <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good like, point. Where, why is it, how is this a big secret? It's like literally like you can, anyone in any church in evangelical Christianity has heard of this book. Yeah, and where is there even a Barnes & Noble anymore? <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> you can order it from the comfort of your own home. Okay, let's push onward. We don't know. No. So how would you know that this guy who lived 2,000 plus years ago that's why is actually the That's son of why God? I call myself a believer. Because you just believe. Yeah. I've, well, yeah. And I've, and, I, and I've seen what it has done for my own life. And I think right there is really the key. And this is what... Um, in most of my conversations with believers where, you know, I'm challenging them, it usually ends at this exact place. Um, you know, you can, you can talk about the evidence and they can recommend whatever books, but when it comes down to it, I just believe it. And that's where it ends. And I think that's, that's where a lot of skeptics or non-believers are saying, well, I need evidence in order to believe it. And I think what Joe Rogan is, keeps coming back to is like, what's the evidence? What's the evidence? And it's not good enough for Joe Rogan just to say, well, I just believe it. For me, and I think for Ben and for many people out there, um, you know, like the scientific method, like we need evidence to believe something. Because there's, there's people telling us a lot of things. There's people telling us all kinds of different religions are true. There's people saying that they were abducted by aliens. There's people, and my answer to all of that is like, okay, show me the evidence. I mean, I could just write it off completely and say, what you're saying is stupid or it's ridiculous and I'm not going to believe it. But no, I'm saying, all right, show me the evidence because I want to be persuaded the way you're persuaded. And um, the answer is like, well, I don't really have the evidence. I just believe it. I'm sorry, but that's not good enough. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that um, it's not convincing to an unbeliever for as a reason to believe, to say like, oh, my life was transformed by this. Um, so even though I don't have any good evidence, you should also believe it. Um, people, and it, and it doesn't privilege the Christian God or the Christian experience. I mean, every religious person in the world says the same thing. Um, that it, they believe eventually, if you break down and interrogate them far enough, they'll say that they believe, oh, well, you know, look at what it's done for my life. Look at the way it's transformed my relationships. Look at the positive things that it's done for my family. Look at for the way that it helps me cope with uh, the pain of this world. And, like, those things are all fine, but they're not going to make me believe something um, that's nonsensical. It, it could be that that is very helpful for them, and I don't have any... I'm not going to criticize that at all, but it's certainly not persuasive um, to anybody else. And um, again, like I'm not someone on here just criticizing religion for the sake of of criticizing it. If somebody personally, um, you know, is given you know emotional help from it, or if they are. If it's helping them in their life, like maybe deal with grief or deal with suffering or pain, I'm not going to criticize that. But I'm, but I'm very interested in the question of what is the truth of these claims? And um, those type of answers uh, are not persuasive for me, and I don't think they're persuasive for most people. Yeah, and I think that they're... I, I agree. I don't like to criticize people, whatever <clears throat> whatever allows you to cope with this cold world. I don't want to be overly 
harsh. But I do also think there's like an ideological problem with just looking at things that allow you to soften the trauma that is life. Um, and I think transplant like some of the things in this world to like some sort of like a terrestrial other world um, or extraterrestrial other world. So it's like, you know, we don't have to really worry about suffering here because suffering is all going to be eased in another world. Well, that makes people not be uh, sensitive to suffering here. And so I think that there's a way that it can be problematic as well. Um I mean, yeah. I guess we're saying there's a lot of ways it could be problematic, but um, yeah, I mean, well, religion in general comes with a lot of baggage. It, you know, if it if it offers you some comfort in your own life, I'm not going to criticize that, but I am going to criticize if you're proselytizing and you know not allowing science to be taught in the schools or yeah. you know th- things that can be really harmful to this world. Um, you know, that's why I think a lot of people criticize religion or have a problem with it. And this is a far cry from, oh, I believe because the evidence is so convincing. Like, now we've gotten to the real truth. It's not that the evidence is convincing at all. There's no evidence that he stated that's convincing at all. What he says is convincing is ultimately, well, I've seen what it's done for my life and other people's lives. So after this long, 10, 15 minutes into the interview, we finally got into the truth of Adam Curry. Right. And of course, you could say that about any religion. Um, you can point to people who have found comfort in any religion in the world and non-religion. Like, you know, the people that are like into the secret, I remember, oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, you, you make yeah. your own destiny. I yeah, go, yeah. I go yeah. babies get mood killed board. in drive-bys. <laughs> babies get yeah. killed in drive-bys. Mm-hmm. You can't say that. You can't say you everything that happened to you is because of your thoughts. That's ridiculous. No. I think it has some effect this idea about the secret and he says it's all bullshit because babies get shot in drive-bys you could make the same argument about christianity because all this idea that you know have faith and god has a plan for your life well did god have a plan for that baby that got shot in a drive-by um or when something good happens to somebody and they say it's an answer to prayer because i prayed for this and god came in and and but I guess like he's giving you special treatment, and he didn't give special treatment to that other person that died. Um, like if one person survives a train cra- a train wreck, and uh, that person comes out and said like God is good, He is with me, He answered my prayer. It's like okay, He answered yours, but not like the you know three hundred other people that died in the crash. So I think that like what Joe Rogan's criticism there in general about. Um, the secret and like a lot of like new age type thinking, I think could be applied equally to Christianity. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think with the, I mean, there's a whole wave of Christianity, um, the prosperity gospel that teaches almost essentially the same thing as the secret. Um, but the question is always, and, and this is the question with prayer too. I mean, so if it's answered, then, um, to what degree is it answered? If the if positive thinking can affect the universe, to what degree does it affect the universe? And if it doesn't really, if it can't prevent babies from getting shot in drive-bys, then, like, who really cares? Who really cares? Like, if you can't pray for anything, if prayer only works for some things and not big things and it can't be for yourself, 
I mean, is that really what the Bible teaches when it talks about prayer, or does it talk about praying so you can move mountains with your faith? And um, I, I just think that this is a really... Um, I think, like, on one hand, I don't affirm any of this, the secret and all of that, uh, like, sort of new-agey, positive-thinking stuff. I think it's totally, total, I think it's worse than BS. Um, and um, I think it's, like, a, to a phenomenon that could only happen in America, um, and it's related to American nationalism and, uh, like, sort of a positive... Uh, theological uh, idea of America's purpose in the world um, as like a shining beacon of light. Um, but, but that being said, I mean, I think that um, it, it's just, uh, I, I think that you're right. Like there's not a measurable difference between um, the idea in Christianity of like praying and having some sort of an effect um, and, uh, some sort of a positive thought having some sort of effect. I mean, I think it's like the same type of, I think they can be equally ridiculed. Yeah. And I also would, would turn Joe Rogan's arguments around on him. I mean, earlier he was saying extraordinary claims um, deserve extraordinary evidence, which I totally wholeheartedly agree with. But then he starts here talking about um, how, you know, your, your positive vibes can have an effect. I mean, I don't know the words he used, but something he's like, not, not much of an effect, but it does make a difference. I'm like, okay, well, where's your evidence for that? I mean, like, uh, I think that's a pretty extraordinary claim. Um, and he himself said it wasn't logical. So again, like, I think, uh, he should use evidence. He's, he's basically just kind of designing his own religion at that point. And I think everybody has to avoid that, um, temptation. Yeah, I think that's the real problem with what Rogan is doing is that he's sort of just um, creating a religion that he could believe in if he wanted to, and then saying, "Well, that's probably if there is a if there is a truth out there, that's probably what the truth is." Yeah, and um, that's not a proper way to even figure out. Uh, it's not a proper way to figure out if there is a a true uh, a true God. If there is a God, if there's a true religion, um, but it's not even a good way to figure out if something is true to start with what you want to be true and then uh, try to find evidence for it. Yeah, and I think that's what he's doing. But ultimately, it's interesting to me because what he's describing, which like we said is his, his religion that he's inventing, is not at all compatible with Adam Curry's Christianity. And I think Joe Rogan is trying to find a middle ground to be like, yeah, why don't we just kind of agree on this stuff? And I'm like, no, if you if you study like historical Christianity, like it's not what you're saying is not at all compatible with it. Like you have to believe in all the what you consider to be like ridiculous things um, like a talking snake or even though even the resurrection as Joe Rogan probably thinks that's ridiculous. And, um, you know, I just think it's interesting because he I feel like he's trying to find this middle ground. And but if he really studied Christianity, he would realize like there is no middle ground there. Yeah, I think a lot of these guys, um, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, want to, in a way, like affirm the regressive parts of Christian morality without having to affirm the sort of ridiculousness of the fairy tales. Yeah, and I find this even in, um, you know, like conservative reformed Christianity where, um, you know, they try to reinterpret the 
a literal days of creation into millions of years to kind of make room for a little bit more scientifically plausible understanding of Genesis. And there's a lot of Christians that are really like concerned about, you know, the way they're being, they don't want to be thought of as crazy kooks. And, um, like that's why in a way I actually have some respect for the flat earth Christians out there because they're saying like, no, like the Bible actually says the earth is flat and I'm going to, I'm going to believe it. It's like, Hey, if you really take it seriously and you really believe it, like, yeah, don't use modern science. Like just only sola scriptura only goes on what the Bible says. Well, it has four pillars of four corners. Uh, earth is flat. And you know what? There's a firmament, a hard, a hammered out firmament dome over the earth. And I believe that uh, in a way I have respect for those guys, even though what they believe is the most batshit crazy of anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I think the fundamentalists are a huge problem and um, are dangerous to society. But the one thing that I do respect about them is that they actually carry to the fullest extent what they say they believe. They like hold to what at least they think is a literal understanding of the text and um, are unwilling to compromise on anything. Um, in that way, at least they're consistent. I think there's a lot of um, inconsistency that goes unrecognized. Um, there, there's a lot of cultural preference that goes on um, throughout interpretation everywhere else. Um, that I think is selective, if that makes sense. Well, so there it is, folks. After 20 episodes of the Skeptics Bible Project, we said something good about fundamentalist Christians. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You knew it was going to happen eventually. Yeah. There's a guideline which um, gives you just an incredibly good feeling. Um, it it has made my life that much and th happier. And mm. the people who I meet are uh, are just happy people. We don't sit around talking about God, <laughs> but we... That's we, the goal, though, right? I don't think so. I mean, in life, no, 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 to be happy. Oh, yeah. I think it's interesting because um, a lot of the Christians that I know, and I think that a lot of people in America see these days, they don't come across as happy people. I mean, images of January 6th come to mind and, and Trump rally where most of these people would consider themselves Jesus-loving Christians. And there's just so much hate and fury in their eyes, not to mention the policies that are explicitly hateful against um, LGBTQ people and um, women's rights in general. And so, no, like if he's going to persuade me to be a Christian because of all the happy Christians out there, Maybe if this was the 1970s, I, I could be a little bit closer to that um, in like a, a Jimmy Carter type of way or with a Billy Graham Christianity. I did see I did see that a little bit. Not that I was around in the 70s, but um, from what I know about it, that was a little bit more of the case than it is now. Because modern evangelical Christianity, I think, like has really been branded as like a hate group. Which is the entire reason, if you listen to our previous episode about the He Gets Us campaign, the whole reason they're trying to rebrand Christianity is because so many people view Christians in America as basically a like anti-immigrant, you know, anti-LGBTQ um, hate group. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I also just think that um, along the same lines, <clears throat> I mean, for one, I think that... Uh, 
happiness is a weird construct to make like the end all and be all of of what your religious experience is um because happiness is like a, a just a, a complicated uh construct um but yeah i just don't think that um i don't i also don't know what people uh Adam Curry is hanging out with that he says, oh, these Christians, they just keep to themselves and don't right. get involved with anything. I mean, like, they're literally, like, trying to make policy to dehumanize people. Um, uh, so they're completely involved in um, the, the most regressive type of politics that are going on right now. Like, uh, Christians aren't these, like... Uh, happy people that are conclaved in their little communities, not bothering anyone filled with love. They're, um, the, they're in some cases, people protesting outside of, uh, troops funerals talking about how God hates homosexuals. So, I mean, you know, that's a, an, uh, obviously an unfair characteristic characterization of all Christians, but I mean, like to pretend that they're all sitting around innocently happy um, is just not a fair representation of uh, evangelical Christianity. Yeah, and to be fair, like you said, I mean, I do know a lot of um, very nice Christians um, who are very happy, and I have you know a great time having conversations with them. Um, so I'm not I'm not stereotyping um, all Christians and saying that all of them are like that. I am talking more about the image that we all see of Christianity like in mainstream media. And there's a reason that um, Christianity is becoming less popular in America and around the world. Um, and it's because it's associated with hate and it's associated with, with that type of um, aggression. And I think you made a really good point earlier, Ben, when you were talking about like, that's like, like Adam Curry seems to, be defining like the point of Christianity about his own personal happiness. That's not really what historical Christianity has taught or what the Bible teaches. It's really more about like, yeah, you're going to suffer in this life. Like you need to like give up your wealth. You need to give everything you have to the poor. You need to be willing to give your, give away your family and leave your family. And you need to be willing to not be married. And don't worry because the suffering won't be long because Jesus will be back any day now. And, um, and Mother Teresa comes to mind who basically, instead of offering actual relief, and this is Christopher Hitchens' criticism, um, to sick people, she basically said, yeah, like continue your suffering, but God is with you in your suffering and that should bring you comfort ultimately. So I just think that his picture of what Christianity is um, isn't really backed up by the history of the church or what we find in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to raise that that same point, um, but I 100% agree. All right, let's move on. Like you're, you're saying, like, I'm happy. We're around happy people. Yeah. That's, that's the goal, uh -huh. right? That's what everybody wants. So, like, whatever methods you get to get there, it's interesting that some people would rather not get there and rather be in a shitty, depressed yes. state <laughs> yeah. as long as they're not duped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, that's basically what Joe Rogan is saying. Like, a lot of people would rather know the truth and be miserable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think happiness is really a false category. And... Um, because you can be perfectly happy uh, living in the matrix, um, but not really know what's going on around you and not have any clue to uh, like the the reality 
um, that's around you. It is very much not the goal of Christianity. Christianity is taking up your cross and following Christ. Um, and uh, I don't even think that it's a category that really like is very prevalent in um, in the Bible. Um, yeah. So it's weird to make that like the end all and be all of everything. Like it's not. I mean, I think I said in another episode, uh, you know, Christianity is immensely impractical. Um, and so to pretend that its goal is happiness. Um, no, I mean, its goal is to do right. Its goal is to follow the teachings of Jesus um, its goal is to prepare for the coming of the Son of Man. Um, those are the earliest goals of, of Christianity. The goal is to build the collective of believers, and uh, if that if that takes cutting all ties with your family, then that's what you need to do. So I just think that uh, it, happiness is not really something that's a, a big factor that I see in Christianity. No, and I think it goes along with... Um the prosperity gospel that does kind of teach that, that like the point is for you to be happy and for you to prosper. And, um, and God will give you that kind of, um, prospering through faith and really through, you know, giving to, you know, the church. And, uh, so in that way it does fit in with a certain brand of, uh, Christianity, but like both Ben and I don't think that, um, that goes along with what the Bible actually teaches. Yeah, much more uh, close to Victoria Olstein theology than um, and the and the secret again. It's like if the goal is just happiness, it's uh, just finding your magical formula. Yeah. So thanks, Ben, for uh, bringing that video to my attention. I hadn't seen it, and um, it is interesting to see. Like, I think what's fascinating for me about the whole thing is, um, you know, what regular people that are not necessarily like deep into like the evangelical world that we grew up in and how they are, you know, experiencing Christianity and these notions, um, you know, like you're hearing Joe Rogan hear about these things. Like it sounds like for the first time, and even this guy who's a new believer and he has such like a, um, simplistic understanding of Christianity to the point he's really not even able to defend it. Um, that's what I found fascinating about it. Um, I think if you were to go back to, let's say, the 1960s or, or before, I think you're, the average person would just have a much higher understanding of like the Christology and the theology. And um, hearing them talk, it, I think it gives like a very interesting snapshot into like the current state of like Christian belief in America. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that um, the most fascinating stuff... I mean, it's like it's hard to be. I don't want to overly uh, criticize Adam Curry um, because there's no reason that, as a new person in a religion, that he would have all the answers. Um, but why would you go on a podcast, the largest podcast in America, or one of the largest podcasts in America, to talk about this stuff if you don't really know what you're talking about? And that's the problem that I find in the whole. Um, sort of like media sphere around um, biblical studies and Christianity is a lot of um, pseudo-scholarly stuff, a lot of misinformation, and a lot of evangelical propaganda. And most people don't have the, um, the basic understanding of the Bible to be able to discern um, 
the difference between even those those type of things, even between pseudo scholarship and evangelical apologetics, um, let alone comparing that to like the real um, critical history of the Bible or the real history of early Christianity, which is far more interesting. Um, and um, I think that the interest that people have in these sort of like conspiratorial versions shows that there actually is an interest out there to know the actual story, which I think is more interesting. And I think that, um, you know, what we're seeing with this kind of lack of knowledge, lack of understanding about um, Christianity today, um, I think it leads us into what we might be talking about in our next episode if, if we end up doing this on this uh, revival that's happening because um, I think Christianity is in need of a revival if if alone, um, if only for the reasons that Christians are just so unfamiliar with what um, Christian doctrine even is. Um, but we'll get into that hopefully next time. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Good night, everybody. The Skeptics Bible Project is a John and Ben production with intro music by John Lobker. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash skepticsbibleproject and follow us on all social media platforms at Skeptics Project. Got questions or comments? Email us at skepticsbibleproject at gmail.com.